For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Believe in Lions podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino game, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers that BetOnline has for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B L E A V in Lions, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. And as always, I am joined by one of the most dominant nose tackles to ever lace up a pair of cleats. It's Detroit Lions All-Pro, the governor, Jerry Ball. How you doing, Jack? Oh, I am great. I get to talk to Jerry, and I get to talk to another All-Pro. It's a great day to be me because, for those of you on the video, you can see we are joined by the 86th overall pick for the Detroit Lions in the 1989 NFL Draft. The 1991 NFL interception leader with six of those picks for the Detroit Lions. A man who would go on to record 37 interceptions across his legendary career, where he won two Super Bowls with the Denver Broncos. The original hybrid defensive back playing inside, outside, wherever you needed him to go. It's number 39. Ray Crockett. Ray, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, look like something's <laughs> wrong with a signal. Well, while we get that worked out, I tell you what, you know, I'm definitely, you know, enthused to have Ray on. Ray is one of my favorite teammates. We've been friends, you know, on and off the field. I mean, when I tell you a guy that is solid, you know, Ray Crockett, I'm telling you, is one of the best teammates that I ever played with. While we lost you, Ray, I was just telling them how fond I was of you as a teammate. But Jack was saying and, and giving you your due, you know, yeah. and, and all the great things that you did. And, we, you know, want to welcome you to the show, man. Man, I appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me. And uh, you and I, Big B, we go way, way back. We go back all way the back. college days. Yeah, even before the Detroit Lions actually played. Ooh. A lot of people don't know I played with his brother, Jackie Ball, who was yep. a hell of an really? athlete. Base, 
Yeah, baseball player, football player. I mean, yeah, Jackie yeah. Ball could do it all, man. And and that's when I first got my introduction to Jerry. He was right down the road at SMU where I grew yeah. up in Dallas. So we we go way back to Corky Campisi days. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Hey, hey, and, and you know what, Jack? And a lot of people, I tell people this without hesitation. You know, they like, hey, yeah, JB, man, you – I say, man, the best athlete in my family was Jackie, man. Woo! I said, bar none, he could do it all. Baseball, basketball, football, and he played. And a lot of people don't know. I remember, and not to get off on a tangent, but I, he had a contract for the Broncos and one for the Milwaukee Brewers sitting on my dad's table, and he chose not to play sports at all. Am I lying, Ray? No, he's not lying. I mean, Jackie, when I tell you an athlete, crazy. He was he was one of the first guys at, at Baylor that that I came in contact with and, and just a great dude too as well, all around yeah. gentleman. But man, we would go hoop. He and I, we would go hoop because I played little basketball in high school as well. We go hoop on intramural. We had an intramural team. And, and yeah. check this out. It was myself, Jackie Ball, and James Francis. <laughs> who, who, who was a first round draft pick and played on the Baylor basketball team as well. That was our intramural squad. So just imagine that. <laughs> I, I imagine you guys got a couple of wins back in that intramural league. Yeah, it was it was hard to defeat us. We had we had a good time yeah. as well. But yeah, man, Jackie. I mean, Jackie. Jerry is telling the truth. Jackie was one of those cats. But you knew though. Uh, for me, I I knew that he was one of those gifted guys. But just didn't really wasn't really hungry to to play sports. Yeah. He was just one of those That's guys right. that God touched him, man. God touched him. That's but right. He yeah. He just never really had the the, the real hunger to say I just want to do this. He was just so That's gifted right. he couldn't help himself. Yeah, yeah. That's true. And actually didn't play football at our level until the tenth grade. You know. That's how. And, and he was one of those guys that. I think really what did it was how my father handled it. My father wanted to push him to do certain things, and the more he pushed him, the more Jackie kind of shunned away from him. You know, yeah. but long short, let's let's talk about some of this Bronco and some things that's going on with you, Ray, because yeah, you know I'm excited to have you on. And then of course at the end we'll like to you tell the folks what you've been doing, your businesses. You and I we talk in off seasons and just seeing each other weeks back and stuff, but, you know, Jack, you can take it from here already. You can just tell us kind of what you've been doing a little bit, your businesses, and then we'll go into the football stuff. Let's, yeah, let's man, hear from Ray first. Yeah, it's been crazy, man. It's, it's, been, it's been somewhat of a crazy uh, transition for me, and, and to be quite frank, I, I'll just be straight up. And, and this is not just to pull Jerry because, you know, he's on, <laughs> look, because it's his show and whatnot. But Jerry is one of the first guys who really got me interested into doing something different outside of football or outside of sport. I was similar to Jackie. I didn't start playing football until my sophomore year in high school, but it was for a different reason. Yeah, I started playing because I didn't have a choice. That was the only way I was going to get out of the, of, of the situation I was in, in the, the hood growing up in Dallas and, and moving from house to house. My mom basically had seven kids, ran out of money. By the time I got, I'm the baby boy. So by the time it got to me, there was no other route for me to go to college other than, you know, the sports route. 
And, and that's basically how I started playing. My coach came to my mom and said, hey, your son is too fast to not do anything with his speed. You know, she, he saw me running track. He saw me playing soccer, saw me playing basketball. And he basically guaranteed her. He said, hey, if he goes and plays football, I guarantee you he'll get a scholarship. He'll be able to go to school for free. And once my mom, Jerry, you know that, my mom heard free. She was like, oh, yeah, he'll be there tomorrow. He'll be in practice tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so it was one of those things where, you know, I, I went the other route. Once I got in it, man, I, I poured every ounce of energy I had, you know, as you can see, as now you probably can't see for, for the people out there. But I, I wasn't the biggest guy when I started playing. I was 5'9", 160, you know, and, and well, I, I really was shorter than that. I was 5'5 five, five when I started playing. And I got cut my freshman year. <laughs> I tried to play at Skyline, moved to sophomore year, grew a couple more inches, ended up being about 5'8", ended up making varsity and all that, and the rest was history. But once I got through college and I got to you know, being drafted by Detroit, I remember Jerry because I went to SMU on a visit. And and I remember, <laughs> I, this is, I don't know if you remember this, Jerry, when I went there, Rod, uh, Rod well, what was Rod? Rod Jones. Rod Jones. Yeah, Rod Jones is from Dallas. I went to SMU on a visit, and I saw Jerry Rod, and, and Jerry said, hey, bro, <laughs> don't come here. We're going to get the death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, no, Jerry. Uh, I said, hey, hey, no, honestly, you know, when me and during that time, look, man, we all on ESPN, but there's a lot of things going on that they're keeping out of the public. And you got guys like Ray playing in Dallas, and we see him as a talent. You know, he, Tim Brown, and a whole bunch of guys. And we like, man, look, they don't really need to commit here because they already telling us that they're going to kill the program. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what happens is he make a commitment to us, and then he'll lose the scholarship to Baylor, which was, to me, was the equivalent to SMU in terms of education. But go ahead, Ray. I didn't. And see, and no, no, and that's and that's where it all started. I mean, I, the reason why I brought this story up was because I had trust in, in Jerry already from college, from that experience, from him being straight up. He could have been like everybody else. Nobody else was telling me that, you know. And Jerry shot me straight, and I ended up going to Baylor. And the rest of history I ended up being drafted by Detroit. Now I'm drafted with him, <laughs> so I, I have trust in him already. So now I go and I, you know, Jerry. First thing he did, he takes me to his house after I got drafted. Myself, Barry Sanders, Rodney Pete, Utley, we all got drafted in the same draft, which was a crazy draft. That it was a great year, too. Yeah, that 1989 draft, the first, out of the first six picks, five of them went to the Hall of Fame. Troy Aikman, uh, Barry, I mean, Barry Sanders, Troy Aikman, Deion Sanders, Derek Thomas, I mean, all those guys yeah. were in my draft, just to let you know what kept Steve man, that, that, that was great class, man. Yeah, it was a great, great class. So I, Jerry takes me there. Jerry goes, yo, he said, hey, man, let me tell you about this thing, man. I'm going to show you the ropes. Basically showed me the city. You're talking about the governor. He was the mayor when he played. <laughs> when he played for <laughs> Detroit, he was already the mayor of Detroit. Everybody loved him, man. And, and he just took me under his wings. And, and when I got there, man, it was crazy. And, and the one thing I found out and the one thing Jerry told me, I don't know if he remember this story. We were sitting on his couch back in Detroit. And Jerry was like, look, man, he had a nice house and all that stuff. He was like, you can't feed your family being a backup. 
<laughs> he was like, yeah. <laughs> in order to feed your family, you got to be a starter. So you you got to start to take this as a business. This is this is what you do. So like I took yeah. that to heart, and all I did was football, man, night and day. Then once I became yeah. a starter, then he started talking to me about business. You know, the business side of it. Now it's now you're not just an, a football player, an athlete. Now you are basically your own company. And you have to run it as such. Now you have to start doing some things on the field. And then that's when it all kicked off for me, man. I started doing business. And, and I already had a business degree from Baylor, which, like Jerry said, was one of the school of hand cameras, one of the top business schools in, in the world, to be honest. So I had yeah, that. Yeah. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had that background. So I started to chop into other stuff, man. I got into restaurant business, got into the, the sports business, got in and finance. And, and now... I, I run companies, you know. I run my own restaurant. I have about let's see, one, two, three. We open up, look, Jerry. We open up a restaurant next Wednesday by American Airlines. Yeah. We open up another sports bar. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven now. So I have seven. Uh, yeah, I have seven yeah. operations: restaurants, sports bars, lounges that that I'm involved with and has uh, some ownership in. And it's been going well. Now, COVID, of course, you know, put us all on our heels for a little bit. But it was one of those things, man. I tell people all the time that in, in, in bad situations, you have an opportunity. Some people look at it as an opportunity to die. Some people look at it as an opportunity to grow. Right. For me, yeah, and for me, I looked at it as an opportunity to, to reinvent what we were doing and how we were doing it and make it better. So that's kind of what we did. And it's, it's jumping off right now, JB. You, you visited one of my spots. It's, it's jumping off. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, Ray has a great spot, and, and what I really love too was the supper club that's in the back. You know, where, you know, Ray, Ray, hey Jack, Ray takes me through the through the back of the house and stuff. So we going somewhat back in the restaurant, you know, area, and then we hit a hall, then we hit another hall, and it's like a little foyer area. And I'm looking, I'm like, you can't see out, you can't see in. Then he opened the door and it's this real, like I would say, uh, Ocean Eleven type bar. <laughs> that 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 look that that's dim lit, all right. Like a, and, and it's kind of like a galley style. And you got and I'm looking and I'm looking at all the people in there. I'm like, oh, I like this. I like, this. <laughs> you know. So, so we're gonna have some of our SMU functions there, and I've been, you know, telling guys to, to yeah. walk some one day when you wasn't there, just so they could see. But more importantly, man, you know, I've been real proud of you, and I've told you this before. And you know what else, Jack? Now, Ray, Jack also likes to kind of put on a tie every show. He be trying to show me up, man. The bow tie. And Jack, let me tell you. Now, Ray is one of the sharpest dressing guys then and now. He walked in cleaner than the Board of Health, man. I'm telling yeah. you. And he still got his young physique, too. That's the other thing. Ray, you, you've kept yourself up real well. Thank you. And Thank I really you, appreciate that. And it could be inspiration for these younger guys, you know, to learn, and I know you're pulling them in, but to show them how to do it right, and then, yes. you know, Jack and his dressing and stuff, Ray, I'm going to have to show them one time that I can put it on. You, you got to pop it for it, because let me tell you, when, when it comes <laughs> to dressing, I, I'm not going to even lie. You know, when I when I went to Detroit, you got to think, this is back in 89. 
So it, it was not the contracts that you see these days. It was not the legacy money that these guys are making. Yeah, Jerry, could you imagine, Jerry? Look, could you imagine? <laughs> Man, could you imagine where we were? I'm going to touch on it once you finish making your statement. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. So, so Jerry you know, kind of showed me the ropes when it, when it came to dressing. I, I was back there dressing out of the mall when I came out. My signing bonus was $100,000. Real talk. That was my signing yeah, bonus. So, yeah, so for all these people who think that, that you know, back then, the minute we got into the league, Jerry can uh, you attest to this as well. Everybody in my family automatically thought I was a multimillionaire. As soon as I walked into the NFL, they was like, oh, he played in the NFL. I made literally 200 grand my rookie yeah. year. $200,000 yeah. my rookie year. And, and everybody expected me to feed them <laughs> like I was a millionaire already. And, and it was crazy. So, so I, I, back in the day, had to learn how to dress for less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, and so because you learn how to put those styles together at a cheap price, and, and you still yeah. made it look good, I I stood next to Deion Sanders and Derek Thomas and Roger Thomas, all of my guys who got drafted in the first yeah. round that actually got million dollar signing bonus. I stood right next to them in the club and looked just as good out of Oak yeah. Tree, <laughs> out of the mall. Yeah. So once I got yeah. some money. Oh, you couldn't tell me nothing when I got some money, man. It, yeah. Look, the dressing game, it was on. <laughs> yes, yeah, no doubt. And, and, and Jack, and another thing, he also had, you know, everyone don't have this ability. But I used to love that way that Ray would actually take his cars and do some of the aftermarket things like his profiles, his wheels, and things like that. Everyone can't do that. I wasn't, well, I'm not yeah. a person that can do that. You know, I don't yeah. see cars the way Ray see it. He can see it. He say, hey, I want it like this. And then you look at his vehicles and he's like, oh man, those nice. And again, yeah. you know, part of his whole persona and style, it fit him. It literally fit him. And hey, I, you and remember that time? That. We, hey, hey, but, we were in, you remember when the Super Bowl were in LA, me, you, Dion, uh, Roderick, Oh, yeah, man, I got that picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we and we went to I think we went to Prince Club that night. Now that was a wild night. That, yeah, that was wild. Yeah. But anyway. We and, had and, look, we had some major nights, but man, I'm telling you, that picture was so crazy that do we still yeah. have this picture? I do. I actually Ooh. I still it's in, if if uh I have a book uh that I, I have written called uh Bump and Run, and that picture, Jerry, is in my book of, of us that night. With oh, Neil is that Smith. right? Yeah, it was me, you, Neil Smith, Dion Sanders, Project Thomas, Derek. I mean, it was, we, it was yeah, a, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And a I know the picture. picture. Because if I'm not mistaken, you had on black and white. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, 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 and Dion had on his, he had on his big shades leaning in. I, I remember that picture. Yeah. I remember that picture. Because I remember that night. Uh, Everybody was uh they, they used to have these terms and stuff and 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 you, you probably pick up on this Jack and they still do these days but they had a term called official like a referee and I had okay. on a black and white suit like a referee I was I mean I was clean looking fly <laughs> ooh yeah man so yeah, I mean that was a day but you know what I I actually learned that from my pops my pops used to take his cars and he always wore suits 
And he used to always tell me, he say, look, man, you got to dress from the feet up. So he would say, like on his car, if your car don't have feet, that's that's your rims and tires. If your car don't okay. have no shoes on it, then your car ain't right. So he would take the <laughs> rims and tires, the inside, and then the outside. So it's just like a suit. You take the it's shoes. The yeah, it's the details, man. Yeah, it's a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way you explaining it now, I'm like, okay, it's the details yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, all yeah, about the details, man. And that's kind of how you were with me in business. And, and, and when Jerry used to tell me about businesses and, and I used to go around, I got to meet the mayor of Detroit, hanging out with Jerry, meeting different, you know, operators of restaurants and different businesses. That's all they talked about was the details. So because I yeah. was already ingrained in that, from, from growing, business became a, something that I really, you know, migrated to because it's the little details that you take care of, the people, yeah. the people that serve and the cooks and stuff. That's yeah. what makes a good business. So that's that's kind of how I look at my businesses today. I, I go from inside out. I, as my pops used to say, I kind of start with the feet. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey. You know what, Ray? And you touching on something. And Jack and I, we kind of take a, a time and talk social issues and things like that. One of the things that I think that you can truly attest to is this misconception about athletes being, I'm not going to say dumb, but ignorant. Right. And not having success after ball because they hear those small percentages of guys that don't, you know, and, 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 you know, a lot of times people think it's the player. Sometimes it's their manager. You know, you could be getting churned by your broker or you could get caught up in the Madoff because we've had yeah. some Joe Montana and those guys got caught up in that. So I got caught up in one. I mean, I, I'll be honest. There was a guy and, and, and what you're alluding to, Jerry, is true. Here is the thing. As an athlete, you, you have your agent, you have sometimes your financial advisor as well, which are different. People think they're one and the same. They're not. And then some people also have a manager as well. And, and I had those things. And for me, I ended up in a hedge fund. I, the guy, I don't know if you remember this guy, but it was a guy of Atlanta. And uh, myself, Terrell Davis, Rod Smith. Um, oh, I do remember that. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, uh, yeah he was that, a Harvard that was, grad. Uh, I think guy name was Tank. Yeah, yeah, a Harvard grad yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. And, and yeah, I, remember I, that. I got in that, man. I lost a couple of million in that in that you know, Ponzi scheme as well. So what that taught me, and, and here's the thing, is it's like you said, Jerry, you hear about all the, the horror stories, but you don't hear about the good stuff because what it is, what happens is that People that are doing the good things and people that have the good businesses, back when we came out and the way we came up, it was never glorified. It was never glorified because that's not what they wanted to show. They wanted to show the other side because it was the fear factor of trying to keep guys. And this is the NFL, too. It was the fear factor yep. of trying to keep players from doing business. They wanted that's you right. to, Yeah, they wanted you to, to be a football player. And, and to be stuck right. in that, counting that, counting that shut up and dribble attitude. They wanted yep. that. So they wanted to scare you from actually doing business and doing stuff outside of football because now you become bigger than the brand, so to speak. Now exactly. you, you have something yeah. else to do. And, and me, I'm the opposite. Like I teach these young guys, 
my dad used to tell me this this phrase and i use this phrase all the time he used to say for prepare for war in time of peace and that's yeah. because we had a bunch of people in our families that that was in the military my brother actually died a marine god rest his soul but so i took that into heart i, I didn't understand what it meant at first but as i went through the league and after playing a decade i started to say oh i see what he means Peacetime is now when I'm making money. Right. Wartime is going to be when that check is gone. <laughs> now you're at yeah. war because you got to find something else to do. So what I started doing, I started reading. I started reading books about restaurants. I started reading books about business. I started reading books about insurance. I, I have my insurance license now. I, I have my real estate license. I started to take all of those classes while I was playing when I didn't need to invest, the biggest mistake I made, Jerry, was listening to my financial advisor and listening to my manager tell me, hey, you shouldn't just be sitting on all this cash. You got multi-million dollars in the bank. You shouldn't just be sitting on all this cash. It needs to be working. That's not true. It needs to be working when you know how to work it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yes. Exactly. When you don't know how to work it, it's fine Let sitting there. That's Let right. That's right. Let it man, that, 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 man, that's a nugget right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I tell people all the time, I, I, I tell people that's how I am now with, with what I do. I stack paper and, and it'll work when I work it. <laughs> but when yeah. I don't work it, I just want it there. And, and that's the, the problem I had is that managers and, 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 and financial advisors most of the financial advisor, here's a funny thing, Jack, you probably texted this, you know, and, and I'm saying this because you're of another color. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, <laughs> of course, of course. Look, you've probably been in those rounds of those financial meetings and different meetings that we weren't, you know, able to be in. Right. But a lot of these financial advisors don't have any money. They're yeah, trying, I know. They're trying to get where you are. That's so. Yeah, so they're telling you to invest in stuff that can make them money because they want to be millionaires. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's the mistake that I made was listening to my financial advisor, putting me in different stuff that was getting him the most money as well, but it was hey. super risky for me. Yeah, I, hey, I, hey. I've met a lot of guys like that when I went to school with them, and, and some of them you, you can tell right away, but others, they, they hide it, and you don't really yes. realize until – it's too late, and they've kind of got their hooks in you. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I found out one of my financial advisors, Jay, he was living check to check, basically Ooh, my check. Man. Yeah. Hey, check this. <laughs> and and, and you, that's so true. My rookie year, I was getting churned by my financial advisor, Raymond James. His name is Bob Gitt, Robert Gitt. And I kept getting these receipts in my mailbox and he's telling me that I'm buying, that I got a mutual fund. So I'm thinking every time I see this receipt, he's buying each one of those companies right, inside right, right. of the fund. But what he's doing is buying and selling it and getting the fees every time. Yep. Buying, yep. selling in my mutual fund instead of buying. So, you know, and I was like, so when I caught him, I, it was at the end of the season. And I swear, and I called in. And I asked, I said, look, I keep getting these receipts. Right. And I keep seeing these fees being, I say, am I paying all these fees? They say, well, Mr. Ball, you traded it this many times, which is not 
normally how a mutual fund operates. I said, I didn't trade anything. I said, I, I was supposed to bought it. And he was told me it was going to have all these companies in Man, long short, that guy resigned that day. Yeah. And then years yeah. later, I see him representing Latrell Spreewell when he had yeah. had the issue. So, so it's it's a lot of bad guys. Well, let's let's kind of switch a little bit to football because in some of those same areas, you you touched on, you know, some of the things that most fans don't understand about the culture behind the scene of the glitz and the glamour of the game, and what they're looking at on television is a finished production, but it's entertainment. But it's entertainment from the business standpoint, but for the player. We're out there competing because, one, it's what we do. It's how we earn our living, but we don't have the politics from play to play. It's whoop that man ass or get your ass whipped. <laughs> All right? Exactly. But, so, so you got that threat, but then you have to go back and fight your management for basic treatment and, and humanity oh, things man. that would be common sense. And one of the things that I want to touch, and I'm not trying to, you know, jump on the lines and dog them, but that, you know, Ray, they hadn't won a playoff game since 91. And, and I say that the reason why is because the Lions don't have the humility of atonement for any of the things that they've done and the way that they've mistreated their players. But when we were there and, and, and Russ Thomas – to Chuck Smith were the general managers that the Lions and Mr. Ford, and I, I, I've talked a little bit about this, and I had enough relationship where I could tell him some things and make some changes, but the day-to-day -day environment that was there, you know, how, how the GMs, because they favored guys that really were marginal players and shouldn't have been on the team, right. they would keep them on the team. And but, then uh, over here, a guy <laughs> that is, you know, a baller, and we know we need him on the team, he'll be the one that they let go. And we're looking like, hold on, son, this, right. this, this isn't, this, this isn't, no, this Man. isn't based on production. This is based on they want him on the team and they don't want him. And typically, and Ray, again, I'm not trying to, characterize it any other way, but a lot of the times, in the large percentages of the times, it would be guys that were either from Michigan that right. were on the team that, and then, you know, and, Michigan and man, or Ohio. It, Michigan or Ohio. Michigan or Ohio. That, that's how I'm saying That's a yeah. good way of saying it. Yeah. Now, and in that, you know, Ray, we've talked a little bit about you know, the culture of winning, you know, because I played on four different teams. And, you know, I didn't win a Super Bowl, but with the Vikings, I, which I felt was probably the most competitive team that I was on that could, you know, that 15 in one year, right. you know, I, we got to the championship game. But in that environment, what's being cultivated, you know, versus oh. what was happening with us and how we turned it around. I've even told Jack and the fans, about us having to form a committee during the time yeah. because it was so much stuff going on that we had to take it out of the administration and we make the decision as a team because they were jacking it up because 
they really playing racist politics. Right. Inside well, well, I mean, of here's the first part of, uh, about that, Jerry, and and you have to call a spade a spade. Here's what I learned. I, I played a decade and a half, and I was fortunate enough to be on on the Lions, which and we'll talk about that in a minute. But then I went to the Broncos and then to the Chiefs, where you're talking about three different types of mindsets of organization. Very and, and, much so. And, and when you're talking about an organization, I look at it just like I look at my businesses. Businesses are one from top to bottom. And that means from the top, you have to have the, the, the humanity and, and the humility to know that everybody that comes under me have to be treated with respect, have to be treated right, and have to be paid right as well in order for things to come back positive. The Lions, here's, here's the problem with the Lions and what I realized once I left. Now, once I was in the organization, it was hard to realize because you're struggling. You know, you're just trying to get paid. You're trying to get, you know, get paid with your work and you're trying to get things done correctly. You're trying to get treated fairly. Right. You're trying to get, like you said, get treated like a human. But the Lions, they are in the car business. The Fords are in the car business. The Lions yeah. was a hobby. The Lions was a tax write-off for them. So with that being said, when the Fords first acquired the Lions, they didn't look at it as this is what we're trying to build a championship team. They looked at it as we have a tax write-off, so we're going to put as much as we need to put over there to continue for it to be a top-level tax write-off. So yeah. they treated the Lions like they treated their car business. It was like an assembly line. And the reason why I say this, Jerry, here's the funny part. I remember going to Chuck Smith's office one time. I went in my first year. I played a lot. My next year, I became a starter. My third year, I was all pro. I was on a four-year deal. I was not, I was, you know, at that point, I'm like, look, I'm all pro. I'm not going to make $200,000, two fifty, dollars mm-hmm. and play. So I went and talked to Chuck Smith. He had a board in his office. Yeah of how he paid guys and he pointed at the board he said that's the highest money you can make i was like but but what about the corners over there dion and this right. guy and this guy and this well this highest you're gonna make with us that's the highest yeah. we're gonna pay so they treated it just yeah. like they treated the car right. business your gm mm. makes this your manager makes this your assembly line your your first and your a level assembly line make yep. this your set that's how they treated it. So they treated yeah. it as a business and not how you should treat an organization when you're trying to build a champ. Now, when I went to the Broncos, Mr. Bolin, that was his business. The Broncos was his business. Even though he made money in oil and gas and all that, he was there day to day. The Fords, they weren't there day to day operations yep. to see that. Al Somebody- yeah, somebody relayed those messages to the Fords and said, hey, mm-hmm. so so when it came from Chuck Smith to the Fords, Chuck Smith was, oh, they're good. They're okay. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just grumbling. They're just, you know, they're just, as they say. But, but these players are happy. Don't worry about don't worry about these, exactly. these grumpy players. But, these guys are happy. Guy, it's, it's this, okay. guy, this guy, you see, Jerry Ball might be upset, but Chris Spivin is happy as can be, you know. so Exactly. Yeah, so when you take that comparison, 
the fours start to look at, oh, these are just some high sedity athletes who want, you know, want to be pampered, this, that, and the other. Man, I never forget the one time I went into um, the trainer, the equipment room, and wanted another jock. Yes, Jack, I'm talking about a jock. <laughs> I wanted another jock. The dude told me to get out of there. I couldn't even get another. My jock, I mean, literally, the jock was damn near falling off of me. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, can I get another jock? I'm talking about a dollar jock. He didn't want yeah. to get another jock. That's how, yes, yeah. that's how the Lions treated the organization. It was so tight because they gave the, the equipment managers a certain amount of money. That's all they could spend for the year. You know, yep. everybody was on this tight budget that, like Jerry said, we as players, the only way we won the, the number of games we won when we were there and won the you know two championships, won the NFC, those two times we, was because we as players, we just, the Lions were fortunate enough to bring in winners. Yes. You know, Barry, Barry Sanders, myself, Rodney Pete, Jerry Ball, you know, Herman Moore, you start bringing in these guys who Benny were Yeah, who were accustomed to winning. We we didn't want to continually get our ass kicked. So we turned it it's around. Exactly. But it and, and Wayne, luckily right. they had a coach in Wayne Funks who let us do our thing. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, if it wasn't for that, man, that's why Detroit has struggled so much. Because you actually have to have a very, very strong mentality to erase all of the negativity, or you fall into prayer just playing for your check. And and yep. that's what we didn't do. You know, we as players. That's right. Then, yeah, but then when I left Detroit, man, let me tell you, Jerry, when I left Detroit, I knew the difference between a winning organization and a losing organization and a losing mentality organization. Right. When I left Detroit, well, first of all, I can tell you, Cincinnati Bengals was another losing organization. You know, but Brown, Paul, he been operating the Bengals like the Lions was operating. Yeah. You know, ain't yeah. paying the players, keeping exactly. everything. Tossed down. So, yeah. Yeah, the reason why I say that is because I went to Cincinnati on a, on a I was a free agent. On my free agent visit, I went to Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, when I sit there and listen to the coach and listen to the GM, I swear Jerry sounds just like the Lions. Sounds just like the Lions. Everything the Lions said there, and I'm sitting there, and, and they offered me a pretty decent you know, contract at the time. And I'm sitting there going, Lord have mercy. I don't want to do this. And just at the right time, my agent called. He said, Hey Ray, leave that, leave the uh office leave when you leave the office go back to your hotel i got a call for you i go back to the hotel i made up i forgot what story i made up but i went back to the hotel and they was like we were supposed to go visit the facilities and all this stuff i'd already seen part of cincinnati i really didn't want to be there i get back it's it's mr bowler on the line mr bowler <laughs> not the not the gm right not the coach it's mr bowler yeah i talked to mr bowler he said ray where are you right now I said, I'm in Cincinnati, sir. They just offered me. He said, I don't give a damn what they offered you. I got a flight for you at the airport. Get out of there right now. Pack your bag. I said, what do you want me to tell you? So I don't care what you tell me, <laughs> but you're going to be a Bronco. Dude, I packed up and left. I land. Mr. Bowling is at the airport. 
John Elway, the head coach, uh, Wade Phillips. Dude, it just, the air, I mean, when I landed in Denver, Jay, it's like you just breathe. You was like, oh, right. this, is a, this is a winning organization. Like, they knew. Right off. They care. Right off the bat, they care about you, man. They, I mean, from day one, they walked me through. They was like, hey, at the time, you you know, at the time I wasn't married, but I was about to get married. I actually went to the Broncos. I was getting married the next week. I went to the Broncos. They flew me to Jamaica on private plane. I mean, back then they was doing stuff, you know? Right. And, and, and that's how you knew that they wanted to be a winner. They was like, you are the missing piece. They was like, so it doesn't matter. We're going to get guys, which is what I never heard you know, the Bengals or the Lions say, I never heard the Lions say, we are going to get whoever we need to get to take us to right. the top. We go to the NFC Championship game and they let two or three starters go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, what? Instead of you adding on to a team that's already almost there, you let guys go. The Broncos would never do that. And that's how you knew exactly. right then that this is a culture who's, who's worried about the bottom line. And the bottom line in Detroit was let's make sure we keep everything here. We don't want to go over this level right here in cost. I don't care what it is, whether it's buying an extra jock or paying an extra player. We don't want to go over this level in your cost. And and that's where the Broncos, Mr. Bowler would have went broke to win the championship. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they have cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest-quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue as well, as classic white lightbox lab grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off priced so they won't have to they really do make any outfit sparkle visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping that's lightboxjewelry.com lightbox diamonds never a dull moment i mean and, and you know what Ray, you're so right, because that was how the Raiders were. You know, every week we flying on DC-10s, and if we going across country, we on a 747. No yeah. no yeah. expense to make sure the players don't have nothing that will impede them from being able to perform. And here's the other thing, which I want to go back to that you stated. You know, when you, as an athlete, feel that you're wanted, Yes. You had you hadn't even performed a down for the Broncos. Not, not one play. And, and they made you feel like you were wanted. They wanted you yeah. there. Yeah. Whereas here you put your blood, sweat, and tears into the lines and you know the extra work. Like when we would practice, Ray, you remember how we would practice? And it didn't matter if the running back ran 40 yards down the field. Everybody on the defense, every lineman, every DB, we all ran to that man until the last man got there. And it didn't matter if he had to come from the end zone because we set a standard. 
and well, we're we setting those types. We said that. We did as that. Players. Yes, yes, as exactly. Players. That wasn't a coach thing. That was something that we decided that. That's right. We don't. We gonna if, elevate the play. Yes, we gonna elevate. And so, it's, like, and then if we wasn't, and and this is practice, Jack. So when we got to the game, we expected to see everybody running to the ball. Yeah. Everybody. And we would have six, seven, eight guys around the ball when they get in town. I remember one time, though, just going to and not trying to disparage anyone's legacy. But, you know, there were times when we would be in a situation as a defense. And, you know, one of the players that, you know, is a great player for the Lions, it was Chris Bill. But I remember, you know, how things would be. And, you know, it was almost like Chuck and Chris was trying to dictate to the team how the team should be. Right. Which would make everyone do the things. And Chris really wasn't a part of the team because he was isolated with Chuck and people would never believe that because of how the Lions report who Chris is to the Lions. Really? Of course. I had no idea. Uh, right. But but I'm going to give one example that is the true telltale. Do you remember on third down, Ray, and we had – we were, I mean, they was picking on Chris, man. We could not get off the field. And then Wayne made the decision to go ahead on and put George Jamison in there because George yeah. was a better cover linebacker. Yeah. And Chris called it the rest of the game, all week in practice. By the next time, Kristen powdered his way back on the third, on, on the nickel defense. And when you start talking about winning, a guy that says he cares about winning. Yeah. If yeah. you're the yeah. one that is creating that is the, the problem that, for the that team. Is the weak link. That's the weak link. Yeah. That is the weak link. And you choose to go on the field knowing you the weak link yeah. instead of coming yeah. off for the betterment of the team. That's one of the reasons why the Lions will never That's win a championship it. as long as they allow that bullshit to go on. And see, and and, and, and I can say it because Chris Jobs depended on me. I was the one taking on those two blockers and allowing him to run freely to make those tackles. And I can say it; others may not, but I can say it. But I'm also pointing to that third down situation because we would have a team locked down, and we can't get off the field. It'll be third and seven, third and nine. Third and yeah. thirteen, yeah. and Chris will make the tackle after they didn't caught the ball for the first down. So I'm well, just see, pointing yeah, that out. Yeah, and and, and, and it was because Chuck was supporting things like that. The GM is dictating to Wayne, like, "Hey, well, we don't want Chris to be upset." Da da da. da. Well, hold on, are we see, trying to win? That's the difference. That's the difference. When when I got to Denver, when I got to Denver, I knew the difference between the organization and, and how it's run. Like I said, when you look at an NFL or NBA, or whatever sports organization you look at, you have to understand that there's from top to bottom, there's your owner, then there's your, your team president, there's your GM, there's your coach, then there's your players. That's the succession that it goes in. Well, yeah. 
if you do not allow your coach who's in the day-to-day, know the play-to-play, and know the players, if you don't allow that coach to make the most important decisions about who plays, when, where, and how, then you're going to struggle because the GM has a different mindset and has a different attitude as to why things go on. And that's what I learned quickly in Denver. When I got to Denver, Wade Phillips told me right off the bat, this is what we're going to do. He was like, we we don't want to run cover two anymore. We're bringing you here because of your aggressive man-to-man style, because you're a bumper around corner. And we've been to three Super, Super Bowls and basically got blown out because we're too soft and too passive on defense. We got to change that attitude. Well, the minute I got there, like Jerry said, one, they showed me that I was wanted. They showed me that I was appreciated already for what I had done, which Detroit didn't do that. When I went in there with Detroit, like I said, even though it was free agency, and this is what really happened with Detroit. A lot of people don't understand this part of it. When there was a salary cap and there was no free agency, Detroit could build a, a decent team like us because we couldn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. We couldn't go anywhere. So they kind of had us, you know what I'm saying? They had us on those levels. So that's why from 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, Detroit won games. But the minute free agency hit and you actually had to compete with other teams for player services, Detroit ain't winning no games because because no. they're not because they're not gonna put their checkbook behind what yep. they say they want. Yeah, when other teams, you know, other teams would. Detroit offered me almost a million dollars less than the Broncos offered me. What? Yeah, yeah. Like, and and, no, and, 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 and you mean, know, and you know what else is true about that, Ray? Is that they have the same salary cap as the other team. All right, and then Ray, you remember the time that they would let Benny hold out, and then they came back and signed his backup for more than him. Yeah, you know a guy that's been that type of player for you that's never left is loyal and all that. You will sign the backup. But see, that's but that's the that's the type. That's yes, that's and that's why I said that's the mindset of an organization. The mindset yeah, not, of, of an organization is not supposed to be if this guy doesn't want to accept what I am offering, I'll sign his backup. That's exactly. the mindset of a winning organization. That's no. right. when, when I got to the Broncos and, and we, long story short, we won the first Super Bowl. I was a free agent after the first Super Bowl, right? I was a free mm-hmm. agent after the first Super Bowl. I was one of the top corners at the time. And went, look, Mike Shanahan came to me the day after the Super Bowl and said, let's go. Let's get you locked up because you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Period. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're not going to even touch the market. I didn't even go on the free agent market. He was like, I'm not going to let you touch the market. That's when you know a coach who understands right. what guy I need to win with and what I need to do to get him. Yeah, you would never feel that. You would never. And 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 the thing that really was confirmed and validated more than anything since free agency, you cannot state one premier 
athlete that they've signed in free agency that has existed in the last 20 years. Not one. In 20 years, you can't must up to go get uh, somebody to replace Calvin when he retired or or go get a lineman for Barry. They go get Bill Fraley, but Bill Fraley was in his 14th year. I'm talking about go out and pay for a play. Yeah, the, the, probably the top guy they signed off the street was Golden Tate, and even then he was a great player, but not a. It, yeah, Golden Tate is a, when Golden was that he was my favorite player on yeah. the Detroit Lions, but he was not Marquee. No, he's not he, Calvin Johnson. You know, he, he he was just a good receiver. Yeah, you know, but but see, that's a problem that people have already they understand. And it's, and it's one of the hardest things, like, like we just spoke about, we alluded to the Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals, even though they're getting better. But it's hard to shed that negative light that all the players have talked. You can best yeah. believe, you look at look at in the Super Bowl, the second Super Bowl, William White, who was starting safety with me at the Lions, was on the Falcons. So do you, yeah. do you not think William White was having these same conversations with the guys on the Falcons? That I'm having with yep. the Broncos, that Jerry Ball yep. is having with Minnesota and the Raiders. That yep. so so the Lions that that negative light shed through all the players who left there and had yeah. to be there in, in negative situations. You yeah. got to shed. You got to strip all of that over, and it, it takes years. It for that to happen. It and and, and that's why I say Ray, they have to have a level of humility and atonement. And you take like Barry and Calvin Johnson, just those two as an example. Here are two of the guys in the history of football. And they both left this gruntle because you didn't give them, and not even give, you didn't have enough respect for what they had brought in value and goodwill to your team Right. That you would ask them to give money back to you in any reason, and you owe them. Right. Yep. Right. If they were to keep a tab on running on whether or not the Lions oh, would oh, owe Barry oh, Sanders today, the Lions owe Barry Sanders. Oh, if they, they were to say, if the, the, the Lions owe Calvin Johnson, they yeah. owe him today. Yeah. Just on the fact that they just use still use his name as likeness and whatever in the exactly. representation, representation of who they were as players for the Lions. You're talking about two of the best to ever do it at their positions. I'm talking and, and, you, you can't and, take and, and five Ray. receivers better than Calvin Johnson. You can't take five running backs better than Barry Sanders. Listen, and, and then have a guy like Chuck Smith make a statement to Barry. Because you the best player on the team yeah. don't mean you have to be the highest highest paid player, but he's the actually best player in the league. Are you yeah. kidding me? So are you kidding me? But see, that's the, and that's what once again, that's why I said that's Mentality. why would, yes, when you go to a championship team, when you go, even when I went to Kansas City. I mean, Denver and Kansas City, we had battled years and years for the AFC West division, years and years. And the reason why I ended up in Kansas City was because of my play against them with the Broncos. The minute I became a free agent, my defensive coordinator went to Kansas City and Dick Vermeer was like, go get ready. Go. <laughs> and, 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 and this right. is what he said. And, here, and here's the thing. 
this is what what Barry is talking about. I mean, what Jerry is talking about, what he alluded to just now. I had tore my hamstring my 12th year, right, with the Broncos. And I didn't want to be a player coach at the time, right? That's what Shanahan had brought me this deal. He was like, look, Ray, with your mind, you're so, you know, you're so equipped to be a coach. I want you to do this and do it. And I didn't really want to do it. This is what Dick Vermeil told me. Dick Vermeil said, look, Ray, you may not have the juice that you had in those years because, you know, you're, you're, you're getting up there in age and, and you're coming out for injury or whatnot, but I'm going to pay you anyway. I'm going to pay you because I know what your mentality is going to bring to these younger guys with the Chiefs. Right. He's, I'm going to give you $3 million. Like I was making $3 million a year at the time, which doesn't sound like a lot now, but that was a lot of money back then. A lot of money. Yeah. He was like, a lot of money. Yeah, he was like, I'm gonna give you uh, he said, I'm gonna give you a three-year nine million dollar deal. So you earn the same three million you was gonna earn with the Broncos here, but this is what I'm paying you for. He understood it. He wasn't right. paying me to be a starter. He was like, yep. we need you to start, I want you to start, but for the most part, I want the mentality, I want the championship right. mentality that's inside of you and your mind to yep. come out. And that's the Lions would never pay for that. The exactly. They don't want that. They don't want a strong-minded player like that. Because what happens is it transfers to too much goodwill and value. And you exactly right, because that's how my career got extended, right? Being a player coach for the Vikings. Then and then one, they had young linemen, and he wanted me to groom them up and, and, and kind of little stability. You know, because I was old man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but but it was those exact things. Well, I know we took a lot of time talking about. Some Let, let's talk a little bit about you know where both teams are. You know, the Lions has had some struggles this year. You know, Coach Campbell, you know, is you know a raw raw type guy, and you know they've had some close games. The offense has struggled a little bit, and then you have the defense. You know, our boy Aaron Glenn though. I ain't lying, Ray. He's been doing the job, man. He, oh, he, yeah. he's, he has definitely been keeping the game from getting out of hand. But going face the Broncos, the Broncos is similar in those same ways where the defense is playing solid, but the offense is still trying to figure their quarterback out and, and getting moving and stuff. You know, when you're looking at both of these teams and stuff, what do you see – will be the deciding factor this week. And, and if you can give us an assessment of the lines, do share. Right. Well, well, here's the thing. And, and I'm glad you mentioned Aaron Glenn because, you know, he's a great friend of mine. He and I, we trained together the whole time, both of us in the league. He's in Houston. He moved. He actually moved to South Lake in Dallas where I live. So I, I, I'm very familiar with him and Campbell as well. He lived in South Lake too. Dan Campbell did. So I'm, I'm familiar with the coaching staff. Anthony Lynn, who's a guy I played against in, in college hmm. and played with on the Broncos. I'm True. familiar with a yeah. I'm familiar with a bunch of guys that are involved with the Lions. And and the one thing I will say uh, about that is 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 we just talked about the two different values of organizations. And, and what you've built from the top to bottom. That's the difference in why the Broncos right now are a 500 team and the Lions can barely find a win. <laughs> because when you have a mindset that has been gone on for so long, 
that when you have a downfall, it's a real downfall. You know, yeah. it's a 0-16 year, which the Lions have had. The Broncos would never suffer that kind of season because of what have been built over years, right? So even with a coaching situation that right now, Fangio, I mean, I'm, I'm not an advocate of getting guys fired or anything like that. I hate that because I, I've been in that situation uh, as far as, you know, playing week to week and, and, and you wondering if you're going to keep your job or not. But he he's, he's, a, he, he's a Wade Phillips to me. Wade Phillips, who I played for when I first went to the Broncos, great coordinator, great coordinator. Some guys just have the mentality of a coordinator. Yeah. And when you put them on as a head coach, it's too much. You know what I'm saying? It's too much for them to understand. It's too much for them to negotiate throughout the day-to-day and all that from media, from offense, special teams, defense. It's just a, a, a lot. And I think that's the yeah. problem with Fangio. Fangio, who who was a lifelong coordinator and good at what he did as far as defensively, he, he doesn't have the mindset to switch and do all things. So that's why Denver is struggling. So now when you don't have that mindset, you really have to delegate well and trust well, meaning you have to have an offensive coordinator that can really run the offense for you and you don't have to even look at it. You just say, hey, that's your thing. Sharma is not that guy. Sharma is not creative. This, this day and age, the game, you have to be creative. You have to be able. I tell people I have three cues that I that I look at as I look at now in business, and I look at as teams as well. I look at IQ, I look at EQ, I look at AQ. Right? Right. So IQ, first of all, of course, you have to have the mental whereabout. You all know that. You have to be yeah. smart in order to coach well and, and to do things well. EQ, emotional. You have to be able to take your emotions out of it and, and do what's best for the team, as you said with Chris Spielman and stuff like that. You have to be able, Now, AQ is most important. Adjustability. You got to be able to adjust. <laughs> you got to be able to adjust during the game. You got to be able to adjust yeah. from game to game. You look at Bill Belichick. That's why he's so successful, because his AQ is out this world. he take a team last week and throw the ball one time two times, three times, and win a game because he <laughs> understands how to adjust from week to week, from play to play, from half to half. That's yep. where I see the Broncos and I see the Lions are struggling together. Now it comes to this. Because the Lions, J, JB, you know as well as I know, because what you just alluded to, they can't get big-time free agents and all that stuff to go there, the talent board is going to be bare. They're going to have talent in certain areas that they draft, and then they're going to have less talent in other areas. That's why they're struggling right now to win the game because you look at their roster, they're just not as talented as other rosters. The Lions, you know, if you look at the Broncos, the Broncos should win this game because the Broncos, if you take it across the board, have better talent. And then it comes to can you outcoach that talent? That's where they're both struggling right now. When the when the Broncos go against a team that has the same equivalent of talent or a little better, we cannot coach it. So we lose. <laughs> and it's the same thing with the Lions. When the Lions go against a team that has better, they're not our coaching. Right? right. So, yeah. so that's what that's what we're struggling. Dan Campbell is not a well-versed head coach enough. Yes. To to coach some and of you, these guys. And you talk that's about the problem. AQ and the EQ. And I feel like with Dan Campbell, sometimes he lets that emotion 
too emotional. Affect his adjustments, and then he can't do it. He gets stuck in this tunnel vision almost. And that's exactly. You got to be able to to work together, pull your emotion out, and adjust. Adjust however it needs to be done. And and that's where Fangio is. Look look at us, Jerry. I'm looking at the Broncos. We've lost three or four games, right? And in that three or four games, I'm listening to the the uh, the, the, the sports writers and everything asking Fan Fangio, oh, I'm not going to change anything. What? <laughs> what the hell? Did you say? We, we, we have a three game losing streak. Something needs to change. <laughs> you know, you may not say exactly what you're going to change, but something needs to change. Every week we have a blunder on special teams. The special team coach still has the same position, same. Co- no, dude, you if you're playing for me and my special team can't get right, somebody going to get gone. <laughs> some some going to happen. Yeah. 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 So that's that's where emotionally you you can you got to pull your emotions out and you got to adjust. Yeah. Jerry know as well as I know, this league is about adjustments. Day to day, play to play, week to week. That's what this league is about. And and if you don't have a coach and you don't have players that can do that, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. That's right. That's right. And, and honestly, Ray, you hit on the very same points that I've hit on on previous, you know, shows when Dan was taking over the, taking the job, well, took the responsibility of calling plays away from Lynn. Right. So that right. little internal thing. And I was like, man, there's so much stuff that he has to be managing as the head coach. How, and then he took over talking into Jared Goff's ear. And he said, I love Tyler. I say, well, damn, he's too emotional to be in the quarterback's yeah. ear. Yeah. You know, and so everything that you just said just went right down the line of exactly what we know it takes to actually move and be proficient and efficient in running a team as well as running a play-by-play because he's made some bad calls because of circumstances not being aware of back-to-back timeout and all kind of little miscues. And yeah. also I made the point, too, before that, hey, every coordinator isn't a good person to lead men. Exactly. You might have a guy that's perfect to lead men, but he's a better delegator to let the coordinators do what they do. And seeing that's, you that's know, the biggest so you, thing you about exactly right. Yeah, that's yep. the biggest thing I learned with Shanahan. I never forget Shanahan because I was a captain on those uh, Super Bowl teams, and yep. the thing that Shanahan would do with the captains, he would allow us to sit in the meetings. You know, myself, John Elway, Steve Adwater, Shannon Sharp, TD. He would allow us to sit in the meeting with the coaching staff, so we understood what, what we needed to. Time. Tell the players because yeah. we got to sit in that meet. So we understood, hey, this week it's all about physicality, you know. So it's coming from the head man, from the coaching staff, then from the captains. So yeah. we're all on the same accord. We all understood what was expected of us that week. So that if we had to make an adjustment, it wasn't just an adjustment from the head coach. Everybody had to adjust. So we knew exactly. we had to be ready. We would say, hey, we're going into this game plan. We're going to try to be more physical than they are. But if that's not working, we all have to adjust and go to a finesse game, right? So with that being said, 
that's where I feel both of these teams are lacking from top to bottom. Top may want to do something that the bottom don't have no idea. <laughs> you know? And, 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 that's right. That's right. I spoke to that man. I'm, I'm so glad that you sharing that because that confirms some of the other things that I've said. And, and because with them losing, Ray, you know, every week, you know, we're trying to be positive and, and give it, but I'm like, man, I got to keep my credibility with this shit, too. Yeah, dog. you got to be, you know, Jerry's you know, not going to lie. We know I that. Mean, I mean, that's yeah. what I just did last week. I just, uh, with the, uh, because they played the Chiefs, which is my two last teams, the Broncos played the Chiefs, and I, and I just said, I have to be real with Broncos country. I bleed orange and blue. You know, I, I, I put the most time in there. I, I put the most energy, effort, everything in. So I bleed orange and blue. Detroit Lions, I'm, I'm respectful and grateful for them bringing me into the league and, and what I always have love for the Lions. But as, as you can hear, I always have a discord with the Lions because I understand what that organization was about. It just wasn't right. It just wasn't right for the players. Yeah. Not going to harp on it, but it wasn't right. But right. And like Jerry said, it takes a lot to, to you know, to atone for that. But Jerry, what I Jerry do puts see, it in the, uh, yeah, yeah, in the sense that, that he loves the Lions more than the Lions love him. Sorry to cut you exactly. off. Exactly. No, no, that's, that's true. It sounds that's, like the case for you, too. That's exactly true. That, that is exactly true. And, and that's the sad part about it. And that's the sad part for Barry and for Calvin Johnson as well. They both love the Lions more than the Lions love them as shows. But, but that's here, right. But what Jerry just said is, is what I have to tell the Broncos is that I'm always going to be honest. I, I, I call it hot. I'm going to be honest, open, and transparent about what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking about the team. Yep. And that ha- and that goes to my credibility. And right now, we're just not good enough for the elite teams. Like, yeah. we, we can sneak up on the Cowboys when they're not expecting – us to do this and they're not playing well and, and a lot of things go our way and we can get a win. But if we play the Cowboys five out of you know five times, they beat us four out of five. Because we're not good enough in certain areas. We're not good enough from a head coaching standpoint, you know, from adjusting and, and, and holding. And here's the biggest thing, the biggest aid for me, for any organization, or for any coach, even when I coach, is accountability. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold me yeah. accountable first and foremost. Then I'm going to hold you accountable. If I'm holding myself accountable, everybody that is within me, around me, has to be accountable as well. That's yeah. where the Broncos are lacking right now is accountability. Because you, when you get a head coach and things are going disarray and he says, I'm not going to change anything, I'm not going to change anything, you know what that does? That creates comfort. And comfort yeah. is worse Complacency and comfort, those are the two C's that you never want in a high-performance business. Complacency and comfort. You have to always keep everybody on edge, which is what Shanahan would do. I don't care if he was a starter from Elway all the way through. You were on edge. Even though I knew I wasn't going to lose my job, I knew I would be reprimanded if I was playing like dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you knew the standard. Yes, I knew the standard. Not not, not right. Let me ask this question, and this is an aside. The Broncos put you in the ring on them? Nuh-uh, not yet. Uh-uh. But they did name you to the all-time Broncos team, though, right? Yeah, I was, I was on the 50th anniversary team. I'm one of the top 100 players in, in the history of the Broncos. 
So I've, I've been on both of the other honors, and I I think they said I missed two or three votes to be in the Ring of Fame two or three times so far. So hopefully, you know, well, congratulations it, 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 on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it may get there. And well, well, hey, look, I, well, just aside, I, when I come back up to Dallas, you know, I I I, I want to get a, a jersey in the pitch. I'm gonna try to run your jersey. You, you wanted a few that I'll hang on my wall. You know what I mean. I appreciate that. Hey, are you, you know how Texas, that goes? Uh, are you in the um, Texas Black Sports Hall of Fame, Jerry? I don't know. Yeah, because they they just put uh, this right here. They just put me in the Texas Black Sports Hall of Fame or whatever. Well, congratulations. Where, where, where is it out of? I, you know what? I'm gonna be honest. I don't even know a lot about. I just saw. I know Aaron Glenn is in there. I know Tim Brown is in there. You should, you definitely, uh, well, Jesse Armstead and, and Darren Woodson just went in. You should be in okay. there. That's the reason why I'm bringing it well, up. Is we got, look, I didn't know much about it, but you, you're one of those guys that should be well, in there. Well, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, I, I think also one of just going back to the football side of it, you know, when you look at, you know, the Lions and, and the Broncos game coming up this week. You know, who do you think the competitive edge is again? You say it's the Broncos. I, I'm going to give the I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I would give the competitive edge to the Broncos only because, like I said, when I look at the Lions and I look at the Broncos and I and I put with with the equal eye, not not with anything else. I think the right. Broncos are more talented than the Lions oh. in certain positions. You know, if I were to say, look at the receiving core as a whole. I would take the Broncos receiving core over oh, no doubt. Can't fall no down. Doubt. No doubt. Right? Just so, Cort look, Cortland Sutton, of course, is an SMU guy. I watched him yeah. grow. So we've been happy to see that he's had some success, had that injury and stuff. And I and I was I did another podcast yesterday and they told me that they've already signed him too. Yeah, he's so not you, that, that that's he's another thing that you know, players that they know they want, they signed him they right. They signed, they signed them doing the buy. The Lions would have never they signed done both that. of them, dude. They signed Corlin Sutton and they signed Tim Patrick. They gave Corlin yeah. 15 million. Yeah. They gave Tim Patrick 10 million. They put 90 million dollars in the receiver. Then they got Jerry Judy. So I would tell so you. when you say 15 core, million, 15 million a year? Yeah, they gave uh Corlin Sutton 15 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. 15 million <laughs> hey. a year. That's almost twice what I made in my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, so you hey, look at I, yeah, I look at that, blessing. Blessing, man. Blessing for these young guys. So yeah. I look at the receiving core, I give the receiving, and then and this is how I build my team. I build my team, Jerry, from front to back, of course. So if you look at defensive line as far as with the Lions or the Broncos, I get the Broncos the edge on the defensive line as well. You know, because of what they can do and, and how they do it as far as, you know, team-wise. Then you go to the secondary. The Lions secondary is depleted. The Broncos secondary, they got a good secondary. It's one they of the highest do. paid. Yeah, it's one of the highest paid. They're just now starting to play up to their, their up to their pay scale. So just over in those two, those three categories, that's what wins the game. The offensive line, defensive line, receiver, secondary, that wins game. Those middle guys, you can hide those guys. You know what I'm talking about, as we tried to do with Spielman and all of You can hide the linebackers a lot with, with different schemes and stuff like that. You can hide, you know, some of your running backs, especially in this game. Explain to the fans what hide means. 
<laughs> well, well, I I just say with with what we ended up doing in Detroit, you can hide your your linebackers if you have a bona fide nose tackle or two big time tackles on the edge. You know that can, that can create havoc and, and make the quarterback not have enough time to find that, as we call, to find Waldo. <laughs> yeah, or that, or the, or the, or the Achilles heel, the duck. However yeah, you want to call. I, I call him your Huckleberry. Find your Huckleberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you all right, I just wanted to be clarified a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you can definitely disguise ways to make a guy look a lot better than he is just by the exposure that you allow him yeah. to have to, to, you know, for guys to go against him. So if I look at that, I think the Broncos definitely have less players that they have to hide than the Lions do right now. The Lions, like, like you said, Aaron Glenn is coaching his butt off over there because their secondary is not that good. And, and if put on an island, those guys will be in trouble. And, and Aaron is finding ways to play, you know, different, you know, sexy zones and stuff. So that he can yeah. hide some of those players, you know, uh, inability yeah. as far as to cover man to man. But eventually, those things do shows right. up. Yeah, it shows up. And, and, and let let me let me just make sure that I, I give some balance and let you know that I think that that offensive line that the Lions have now, they're getting their their steam back because they yeah. had a couple. And they wasn't working together. Well, they were working together, but it wasn't the best put forward. Now, if we had Swift and he was healthy, I would tell you we would probably dominate your defensive line because your guys are kind of like um, they real athletic. Right, right, right. right. Well, well, here's the thing. You have to scheme those guys. And and that's exactly. Yeah, Chubb is not playing. To, to his ability, Bradley Chubb, he, he's not playing the first round ability. He's coming off of energy, I mean injury, and we're kind of treating him kind of like a Chris Spielman right now. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, yeah well, well, well he, he, here's what what is being done with Detroit. You know, they running that double tight end, right? So right. he's trying to go to pound time. Yeah. So so that's why I'm. I would say you know with the the formation or the personnel that they're presenting, you know. For you know those real fluid type linemen, unless they're schemed into the right fit, you know he they just trying to come straight off, and that's the yeah. thing that he's done since calling calling those plays. But anyway, but see that's you know, the thing. I, also, Jerry, with, with with Denver, the thing that I like about Denver when they get up against guys like that who who doesn't adjust well, that's the one thing that Fangio can do because he's a defensive minded guy. He comes up with a lot of a, a lot of exotic run blitzes. Like people yeah, think that he blitzes for the pass. He actually blitzes because he understands what we're lacking up front. Exactly. So he does a lot and of exotic comes. run blitzes. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, I feel you. I feel you. Well, Jack, you what else you got? Well, the Broncos are favored by seven and a half points, according to our friends over at betonline.ag. And I don't know about that. The Lions are eight and four against the spread this year, five and one in their last six games. So I think this is at most a field goal game, either side. Yeah. I do think the Lions get the victory, though. I, I got to well, roll with the you whole think so? team. Here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing with the Lions that, that 
that I, I think is going to be a, a big telltale of the game as well is what I've seen from the Lions on grass, I don't like. Like the Lions play better on turf than they do mm. on grass. So you go into the elements at Denver, you know, it, it's supposed to be a little windy this week. Golf is not a great thrower of the football as far as arm velocity and things of that nature. So I, I, I think we're going to end up getting a couple of picks from him with Justin Simmons and Pat Sertain Jr. And those guys back there. I, I think I think golf is going to be the difference. now, And that's what I'm saying with these two guys. On both sides of the ball, we just got guys, man. We got golf who, who was supposed to be this big-time quarterback, end up being a guy. Teddy Bridgewater, to me, is just a guy. So it really depends on which one of those guys can win the turnover battle. That's who's going to win the game, I think. Well, I tell you what, I, I'll take the Lions, and I, clearly you're taking the Broncos. So the, the winner gets uh, Campese's pizza. <laughs> All right. I, I tell you what, the winner of this game, if the, if the Broncos win, I get treated to Campisi, which is one of my favorite spots by you. And if we, if the Lions win, I'll bring you to my spot and, and it's all on me, brother. And oh, Jack, man. Well, let's, and let's, and Jack, sounds good. Too. I'll come down. Hey, 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 look here. Now, Ray, I'm going to be honest with you. We lost a bit to uh, Solomon Wilcox and Pac-Man early with Cincinnati and Detroit. So we hope the tide going to change, right, Jack? We there do, we do, and if I'm coming down to down to the Texas area, we you got to take me shopping too. I got to get some of that legendary Come Ray Crockett style. Hey, let me tell you, I, I am ready for it. I got the great designer and stylist for you, ready to go. Hey, <laughs> and put them in some of those Louis Vuittons that you be wearing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I may put some feet on it. Look, I, I may put yeah, some yeah. shoes on it. <laughs> put some new shoes on it. Yeah, I, I, I get your feet right uh, all day. No hey, doubt. Man, no I doubt. appreciate you hey, guys, man. Look, I like the show. Those last ones you had on when we were there, I was like, um, I rock, I'll rock them. You know. <laughs> some of it's too guarded for me, but I was like, yeah. I'll rock them. You know. Okay, okay. Well, but look, anyway. You said you were rocking, then I know I'm, I'm on the right path. Oh, you already knew that. When you bought it, you knew it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, but, man, we really do appreciate, you know, taking the time. And, you know, we definitely, you know, got to put this out here. And I tell you, you know, it's always a thrill to talk to you, see, hear your voice. And then when I'm up in Dallas, I told you that I'm looking for a place, yes, you sir. know, to come up there and be up there more. You know, I've already started making progressions on a couple – business opportunities and I'll talk with y'all flying on that. But man, I love you, brother. You always I love you, boy. Yes, no doubt. Man. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, Jay, I, this is from my heart. Dude, you taught me the ropes through that. For real. I mean good, bad, and different. You always put it out there for me to see from high school to the league. And it's good to say that we still here, still doing it, man. Still look, still yeah. keeping up keep keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. But, but the one thing we I can't say, Ray, you know, as a pace setter, you've always been. Thank you, brother. You know, thank you. Straight up. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to push the push the line a little further than where it was before we got there. You know, and I figured if we keep pushing the line, we'll finally catch up. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, thank yes, you sir. so much for joining us, Ray. Do you have any pluggables to plug or anything other than your your restaurants and your work over with uh, Believe in Broncos? Anything else you want to yeah, plug? Yeah, man. Uh, definitely go and check out my book. Bumper Run Made Me, Save Me. It's put, it a little, put it a little closer. A little closer so we can I raise it up so we can see this. All right. Okay, so, right. so you can order it on Amazon or yep. something like yep. that? It's on Amazon everywhere. I know what I'm ordering right. as soon as I'm done here. No doubt. I, it, it, I'm going to give it as some gifts to some young men. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank hey, you, Ray. Hey. And Jerry, you ready to break it down? Yeah. Now, Ray, you, you're you going to have to suffer through this because this actually has nothing to do with you Broncos and okay. stuff. But one, two, three. We believe. We believe. <laughs> Peace. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.